you're also a multi-instrumentalist. That's not something. That, I am, yes. Yeah. You play like many different instruments. Many, many, many. <laughs> like, do you play the kalimba? I, I know what a kalimba is. <laughs> <laughs> so screw you. <laughs> That's a little bing bing thing, right? <laughs> yeah, the ah, bing bing thing. Okay. <laughs> so Mike also plays a kalimba. Yeah, no, I don't play a kalimba. Okay, okay. No, piano, uh, bass, guitar, a little bit of drums. Yeah. Yeah. The main, the main one. This is I Have My Reasons, a podcast highlighting stories of human resourcefulness, resiliency, and innovation. I am your host, Deandra Day. Today on I Have My Reasons, we have Mike Turner. As you've already heard, Mike is a multi-instrumentalist. He's a teacher, an entrepreneur, a producer, and a composer. Today, we're going to dive into some of the opportunities and challenges that we're facing as artists in this current music economy. We're also going to talk about the importance of persistence and commitment in our art practice and so much more. I hope you enjoy. Okay, well, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's. I was thinking this morning about how many years I've been working with you musically and I think it might be close to seven. Is it really? Yeah. I think it is. It's close to seven years, which seems like a really long time. No, but not really. <laughs> not really. But I just remember, I have such a vivid memory of first coming into your office. Um, what was the memory? Well, I was scared <laughs> because I hadn't done music for so long. Because when I went to university, I just stopped. Mm. Like I played a little bit, but very little. And then I was hanging out with Cooper a lot. Um, and he was seeing you for music and he was like, you have to go see Mike, you have to go see Mike. So when I came in, I think I played you my only original song I ever wrote. And, um, yeah, I was nervous, super, super nervous. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Something about that first vulnerable original, isn't it? Mm, it is. And then also just like not know and playing in front of somebody when you haven't played for a long time. And yeah, sharing music is mm -hmm. so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And the first two, because you don't know, you feel like you have no idea what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was and that's when your studio was downtown here. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we were just talking about, I haven't been down here. I never come down here anymore. And it's such a shame because this is so rad and yeah. it's such a vibe it's such a cool vibe downtown right yeah and i think it's growing i think there's been new businesses that have come in or that it? are really thriving yeah there's a cool shop called far and wide that's doing really well there's a new cupcake shop down the road um cocoa dot cakes and just you know the small things are opening up Happening. slowly yeah. cool. Cool, cool i didn't even introduce you so this is mike turner <laughs> <laughs> so mike is a friend but he's also um, a music mentor and um just an awesome community member i'll get you to talk more about yourself um because cool. i feel like i could introduce you in so many different ways <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> so um why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what you're sure. doing these days Sure. I am, uh, so I have Turner's Music Studio in town, which you were referring to earlier. Yeah. Unless you got that part out. Yeah. And um, not as much live performance anymore, mostly recording, lots of multimedia stuff, things uh, that we've kind of touched on and talked about before, like this. This is kind of the way it's all going now, in my yes. opinion. Podcasts. Anything to keep people engaged for a short amount of time. So I'm kind of getting into that. Um, lots of commercial recording for a couple of companies in Vancouver. 
And then the teaching is still going strong. I've got uh, four other instructors up at the studio now, so it's great. Four. Four. So who's teaching? Like, what are you got who are they? going on? Yeah, uh, I've got Claire Carlson Mitten, who's they they own uh, Mitts downtown here. Okay. Uh, you've probably seen her around. She's great local talent. Yeah, um, she's super sweet. Too. Super sweet girl. Yeah. And I've got um, Janessa Munden, who's new, and she's um, doing beginning uh, vocal for me on Mondays. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and she's awesome. She's been with the studio for about fifteen years. Holy, yeah, that's a long time. With me cool. and with uh, Kathy Marshall before that. And then um, I have Richard Graham still, and I have um, uh, Dean Powers. Right. So those guys have been there for a while. Yeah, and they're great. They're awesome. And you see, how many, I was thinking this the other day, how many students would you say you have? I do? Yeah. Uh, most of mine are ours. So okay. it's, uh, it's not as... Uh, doesn't sound as much as it would normally be, but okay. I see probably I'm in the studio about 25 hours a week, so it's pretty pretty heavy still. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, it's it's great because you give a lot to your students when you work with them, and I that's something that I um, you know when people ask about oh so do you take guitar lessons and I'm like well yes mm. and mm. and totally and because it's always guitar songwriting yeah. production yeah. Um, arrangement, arrangement, yeah. artist development, totally goal setting. Mm, um, yeah, mic technique. Yeah, <laughs> that's your technique. <laughs> Mixers, no, no mic technique. Mic and, technique. Yeah, yes, right. Sorry. Little all sorts of things. Everything. Like we were talking about. Yeah. But I think that that's one of the reasons why it's so engaging. Mm. Like I've done traditional um, lessons in the past, and it's just never kept me going. Mm. Whereas I find with you as a teacher, you're always on top of, at least my experience, on top of where. I'm at and, you know, watching, okay, how can we keep Deandra engaged? Right and, <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's such, that's such a special nuance in being a teacher is oh, seeing like, you. oh, yeah. when, you know, when someone's maybe not engaging with a certain thing and then switching gears and then maybe coming back to that after, you know, totally. just like we've like put our toe in theory, maybe. Totally. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like an every two month thing. Okay, Deandra, let's you, go here. You must. You must. <laughs> we have to. Totally. Well, yeah. that's the other part too, is communication, right? That's all theory is, is just, uh, if I can talk to you about, uh, flat fifth or, uh, you know, uh, octave movement or whatever, if you can understand it, it just makes it fast. So then if yes. we're playing and performing, well, you know, from doing rehearsals and that too, right? If you can communicate with your band, tell them what you need, what you want, what they're, what you're looking for, it's just faster, right? It's so much faster. And I've, I've told you this, um, not on the podcast, but I've had moments, you know, where you're, you'll say, this is a really good thing to do for rehearsal. These are skills that would be very helpful when you're running a band. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And uh-huh. then I get into that situation uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mike knows. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been burned. <laughs> totally. So it's like, so what chord is that, Deandra? And I'm like, um, yeah. uh, um, and then like eyes beeline to Tim. Like, yeah, <laughs> bail exactly. me out. Come on, bail yeah, me totally. out here. And then but, the vibe kind of goes. Yeah, totally. So I've, I have noticed that and, you know, not having cool. like little things, you know, that you're like, this is really important for efficiency and, yep. and that stuff really comes up. Absolutely. Yeah. Little things too. Like, um, um, and we've talked about this too and people roll their eyes. Uh, let me see your bag. Oh God. Right. <laughs> yeah, or what do you, where, what are you putting your cords in? Well, why, why I don't care. That's not why I'm here to see you. And it's like, no, okay. But it, it all makes a difference. Right. And efficiency and everything else gets the vibe going. Right. So. Totally. Well, and I've been burned so many mm. times with that one. And we've had that conversation so many times. Mm-hmm. 
And every time that I get into that situation where I haven't prepped my bag properly, um, you know, we missed, we went to Arts Wells, we missed a power cord for the push. We couldn't do a push set. We had to like work on the fly and do a set that I, you know, was not envisioning doing, which was a good push as an artist to just let it go and move on with the show, keep the energy high, let go, you know, all those things. But like, there's many opportunities that I've had where I've thought, oh shit, Mm. here we go. Mm. Um, I didn't look at my bag or I didn't practice my setup before we got to this show. Yeah. And then it changes your mood too. Right. And then, well, how many times have we talked about that? Then you, then you try to open your mouth and sing and expose yourself Mm. to an audience of however many, and the things are and making strange noise. You can't, you can't, it's, you're going to lose right out of the gate. Yeah. Then your neuroses is just like taking Mm -hmm. over your whole performance, you know, and then that's a different kind of challenge. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Why? And students, you, you know, this, we've talked about this too. Um, they're always like, well, let's just do it acoustically. I mean, you were just saying, you and Tim were doing more acoustic stuff, right? Because it's easier. It's just, you, you sit down and you play and you realize, no, this is what I want to do. It's pure and it's easy. That's the formative word there, right? And then, as I've said to you, that's what I'm always trying to do is let's make your Ableton set easy. Let's make your, uh, uh, you know, or whatever student or client I'm working with, it's got to be easy. If it's not easy, you won't do it. It's, no. it's too much, right? Even just this, I see this is perfect. Nice, easy setup and it's all streamlined, right? And yeah. then it makes for this and you can communicate and keep it open, right? And it's not stressful. And it's not stressful. And you know what? And it's because we've done one of the things, we've done what you've said, which is, cool. you know, pack up a bag and have yeah. all this stuff here and we just keep it in my space. Is right. And it takes two seconds <laughs> to set up and it's a non-stressful situation. Right on. And it's easy. You it's can, easy. Yeah, yeah, right on. And whereas, you know, last week we had challenges with the podcast mm. and it was because we, um, you know, we weren't communicating well before setup and we were disorganized and then it just like the whole podcast ended up not working. Yes. You know, the XLR didn't work. Um, I felt rushed. So it's just, yeah. and this isn't a musical performance, but to me, they're the, it's the same thing. Totally. And um, I'm learning. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, it's still a performance. Yeah. And I'm learning all the time, even with doing the podcast. Oh, you know, I could totally take this over to my live set. Like, look how successful this mm-hmm, has been. Mm-hmm. And I need to get serious about organizing absolutely the other way absolutely and then just repeat and repeat and repeat you got your method right yes yeah no no for sure for sure that's awesome yeah so you have and you have lots of different age clients like you work with clients like young kids all the way up to older adults yep most of mine now are older um but i do have a few uh a few young young yeah, but most of them now are, uh, I've been doing it so long now that I, I have mostly the, the older students, so it's good. And people that have been with you for a long time. Yeah, I've <laughs> got people that have been with me for almost 20 years. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, that's a total feather in my cap for sure. Yeah, it is. But I, I say this to everybody. I am convinced that you actually offer more like music therapy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I don't want to like broadcast that so you're going to get people calling, no. coming, talking about their problems. But uh, Yeah, but art, right? This is, is what we're talking about. You tell me the difference between what you do and what I do. It's, I mean, there's a difference, but it's... But Man, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Yeah. And as a counselor and then going in the, the way that art is so cathartic and having someone witness you in that process, like support you mm. throughout the process of expressing yourself, of um, relaying a message, like music is, you know, something that you're expressing, right? Whether it's vocals or lyrics or 
the actual arrangement of right. a song. Exactly. And so for you to be able to tap into what somebody's trying to communicate and then support them mm. in actually doing that, right like on. that's ex- almost exactly what a counselor does, totally. right? It's like listens, helps. Totally. Yeah. Or parent. Or a, or a friend, <laughs> you know, and again, without getting too weird on it, but it's really, it, it is, it's just, and that's why, you, like you were talking about before, it's not instrument learning. It's never been that way for me. It's always, it's the performance. I mean, that's way down the list. It's the, um, uh, how you're exposing yourself, the creativity, how you're getting there. And as we've, again, I, I'll say that a lot in this interview, as we've talked about a lot, I don't care if it's this or, you know, it gets very primal very quickly. It's not about the, the device. It's about give it to me and we can vibe out and we can, and we can find a, a common ground with anything. And then, okay, so then how are you going to put it out? How are you going to record it? How are you going to get it out to people? And, uh, but the, uh, it's not about guitar lessons, like you said. No. It's not about singing lessons. It's uh, it's about the all the other stuff that's involved yeah. there, right? I think I think so much of it is about the person and their yeah. um, yeah. development, totally. You know, and how you can support them in their creative expression. Absolutely. And it's such it's such a gift. And I mean, uh, you and I have worked even in studio. So you also work with uh, recording clients doing yep. sound engineering and production. Yep. And so I think now we've recorded five songs. Yeah, or more. Yeah, maybe maybe six. Yeah. Yeah, we right done, there. Yeah. Right around there. And it's just that is also such a cool pro. It's like the same thing but then we're using um, recording stuff. Totally. So. Totally. And uh, you know putting you in a position where you can do it too, which we just talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it's all about uh, that's the other thing too about teaching for me is uh, it's uh, it's about enabling people to be able to do it themselves. And that's a big part of my MO as well is, okay, sure. We'll show you how to, you know, um, um, get into recording or get into digital things, but I want you to be able to do, you know, be, be able to do it yourself as opposed to having to rely on other people all the time. Yes. And that's not a lot. That's not a big thing that a lot of teachers that I've had do. It's all about, generally speaking, keeping you in that umbrella for as long as possible. Of course, like keeping that return client. And it's the same thing, again, with counseling is as a counselor, you want to work yourself out of a job. Like, you know, like essentially that is the goal. Like, I don't want my clients to rely on me to make decisions. That's right. I don't want them to need me to feel grounded and healthy you know I want them to be self-sufficient and same with you it's always about having a self-sufficient art practice totally whether that's you know just writing and playing an instrument or performance or that's right recording and it sustains itself right yeah, because uh, you still have clients. But you're more than ever. Right. Exactly right. And But that's the scary part is everybody thinks, oh, no, if I push too hard here and you get too independent, then like you say, you're not going to need it, right? But you're feeding, for you, I feel like you're feeding the, your, what's, how do I want to say this? Um, in helping someone develop as a musician, you're also feeding this idea of a constant learning of music or a constant music practice. Like there's never an end to this. No. There's always a place to go creatively. Totally. Just like there's always a place to go in self-learning. Totally. Um, It's the same thing. Totally. It's the same thing. Yes. So I wanted to ask you how you've been playing music since you were small. Yep. Like very young. Very young. Three, four, five. Because your dad plays piano. Yeah. He played professionally. 
Yeah, he's an amazing piano player. Yeah. I've <laughs> <laughs> gotten to hear him play once. Shout out, Dave. Yeah, Dave's great. <laughs> I like Dave. <laughs> great is an adjective some people choose for him. Others, some, there's some more colorful ones, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll never forget my conversations with Dave. But honestly, an Dave. amazing piece. Yeah, yeah. And like, he's a gem. He's just, yeah, totally. Yeah, he's the best. But like plays music. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's like yes. he plays the piano. Big time. Yeah. There's just something that comes out of him when he, pl- like when his, yeah. Yeah. And old school. Uh, that's another thing I tell my students all the time is, uh, well, repertoire. Um, build up. It's hard enough to get millennials to get uh, 10 songs. That's my that's my thing. And I think I've, we've talked about mm-hmm. that, right? 10 songs in different genres that you can have that you can play. Uh, with no sheet music, no nothing that you can just whenever you need to, uh, when it's called on, you can you have that capacity, yeah. right? And I remember Dad telling me he had like a thousand songs, because he had that uh, is insane. crazy, a right? Thousand songs, a thou- about a thousand songs. Oh, yeah, and I've seen nice. books. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. And then just depending on who would come in, you you could you could feature that at any given time. So. That's pretty cool. So did you watch him um, when you were a kid playing gigs? Yeah. That was a normal. uh, Not so much gigs, but like uh, 70s parties, gigs in the rumpus room, right? Like community (laughs) stuff, like having people over for supper. Totally. Dad plays music. Totally, totally. Yeah. It's even more, it's even better. Exactly. It is, (laughs) right? Yeah, exactly. And learn by rote too. You really watch and and absorb it all in. And uh, yeah, it's funny because I can usually tell in about... 30 seconds or less if somebody has music in their family because you can just see the way they approach an instrument or the way they're it's not even a confidence thing it's just a rhythm thing mm-hmm. they've got a sense of it right that i think well i watch your i watch joni right and she's just kind of grooving around and that um you, you just take that in subconsciously from a young age yes. and that that transfers over so that was a big part of my two three four years old too i just kind of came out and was able to play because it was there all the time, right? That is so cool. And your mm. kids, similarly? Oh, yeah. have been around a lot of music. Yeah, Ava is big time, just natural vocally too, right? Oh, she's, she's got a beautiful voice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah she I've heard re- it only once, but it was yeah. I was so taken back by... Yeah, and yeah. rhythm, an innate sense of rhythm. She can, uh, her ear is, well, there you go, ear, right? Just because she's had it around all the time, and I talk to her, and I see Tim do it too, talking um, beats. Yes. And, you know, the way you speak is in sing song all the time. Yeah. So she just knows that. Yeah. It's so cool. It's such yeah. a gift to have been exposed to that stuff at a young age. Mm. I know for me, my family actually isn't very musical in the sense that um, like there wasn't a lot of instruments being played right. growing up. Right. Uh, we always had music on. Yes. So that was, you know, it was Same one thing. of those things. It was, we were always listening to music, but um, it wasn't something that we were all playing music. Right. But it's something I value in my family now with Tim and Joni and I playing music. It's just such a... I mean, Tim and I share in that together. Totally. Which is, you know, difficult when you share a kid too. (laughs) And you're like, oh, our music practice relies on each other. And we rely... You know, we both have to take care of this baby. Totally. Things are shifting for us. But But maybe it doesn't matter as much. Like the only difference perhaps between our uh, our deal growing up was I had somebody who, if I wanted to sit down and exercise that idea on the piano, he, my dad would sit down and show me. Yes. So that's cool. But I mean, as far as just being able to hear it, I, I hear that all the time from people as well too. It's the same thing. 
oh no, I grew up listening to R&B. I grew up listening to, you know, the, the music was always on in the house. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's just as important. It's the same thing. Yes. You're, you're absorbing it the same way, right? Right. Just maybe not having a parent doing right. it. But it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't make that much of a difference. And if anything, my mom was so, so good at right supporting right that spark in me. Like I was always, I was a performer from the age of three. It right. was like constantly performing right. for people, for 10 shows. And then same thing, you right? Know, and it, she just fed it. Yeah. She was like, okay, yeah. well, this is what you want to do. Yeah, even if I can't show you, it doesn't matter. I'll That's take right. you to someone who can. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the same. Uh, you the support, same. right? Yeah, and music is such a is such a gift. Mm-hmm. So you've been playing for a long time, and then um, you, you're you not doing as many gigs now, but you have spent many years playing, like, regularly as part of your Locally, kind of job. yeah. You mean playing out, performing and yes, that? Yes, performing. Yeah, uh, with started with a band called Groove Theory uh, when I first moved to town here, year uh, 95, 96, 97, um, and with a family in Westside, which I've, I mention all the time. They're, they're called the, they're the Grams, and I started playing with their family, and um, then just started meeting th- people through the community and and um, you know getting out there more and playing more. And there was lots of opportunity, although I have to say, and I'm sure we'll come into that as well too, just as much opportunity now. Anybody who bitches and complains about there being no, um, it's like anything. No, it's there. And you curate your own show. If it's not there, right, go out there and and make it happen. Um, So was there more available when I was starting out? No, not really. It's just, um, it seemed like there was a little bit more bar action than that, I Mm -hmm. guess, downtown and but otherwise, that's how it started, and then just kind of maintained with the same friendships and the same musicians. And, and then you moved on to creating a Leisure Suite. That's right. Yeah, Kathy. right. And then from Groove Theory went to uh, Leisure Suite, and that was with Kathy Marshall. And we did our f- did our first two albums together, uh, and I recorded the f- second one, the first one we did with Doug. And then in town locally. In, yeah, Doug Perry, Doug yeah. Perry at Perry's recording studio. And that was super cool. As you know, once you kind of start do your first recording, it's a whole other thing, right? Yeah, it's so can, exciting. It's the bomb. It's yeah. So much fun. Yeah, totally. And you scrapbook it too. That's the other part. It's you're actually putting it down. So that part was really, mm-hmm. really cool. And then from there with another band uh, and all these bands were like 10 year runs, 12 year runs, which is a huge success oh, for a band. It is. It really is. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, that's an important thing, right? Whether it's students or trying to keep that relationship for as long as you can too, as opposed to spreading it too thin. And then from there I went to a band called the Infectuals who I've been playing with for about 15 years now. So so yeah. cool. And yes. you still play with them. Still play with them. Yeah. yeah. And you and Kathy still do gigs. Kathy and I still do gigs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Super absolutely. cool. Kathy yeah. has such a magnificent voice. Yeah. She's a presence for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely in a, in a positive way. It's like, it's like a butter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so nice. Totally. Um, okay. So um, I'm going to ask you, so in all the years that you've been doing music, what has been um, one of the more defining creative moments for you or times? Uh, definitely the, the recordings. So the first two albums were very defining. Um, hugely. Totally changed my whole outlook. Plus, I, I really got into the um, understanding of... Uh, how big this world of music is and art. I don't even like to say music. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I know. It's, me neither. It's, it's weird. It's, it's art. Like to- creative, yeah, being yeah. Creative. Something. Art, you, yes. Totally. The, that part of it, right? 
um, because then the recording part comes and this whole the visual part starts to show itself and how cool is it when you do a show and uh, you have multimedia visuals. It's just this whole other level of thing that has nothing to do with that E chords you're playing, but it has everything to do with how it comes forth, right? Or a push on Ableton or something like that. Yes. So. It's, it changes the show. It takes the show to a totally different level of experience. It, I think it does. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't say, it doesn't mean you can't just go back and break it down to just that acoustic guitar again, but to have that dynamic again, as we've talked about, is cool. So that was a defining moment for me doing the first two albums because I really got my hands dirty and figured out um, I needed to figure out how all of this worked and and so you did that with those albums like you were just starting to get into sound recording and yeah well I yeah I did very much the same thing that I'm doing now I hired mentors to teach me and would travel if I needed to and I was doing jazz piano lessons uh, in Vancouver just to kind of hone that a little bit because that transferred over to MIDI keyboards even though I had a piano background but I wanted to keep that going and uh so I, I just found the right people to teach me, and, and uh, that's, that's that. so cool. Yeah, and then 10,000 hours. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who is it? Is it Tim Ferriss? Or who says that? Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell, yeah, yes. He yeah. actually just had a podcast yeah, with Joe well, Rogan. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm halfway through it. Yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah. It's, this is a, a secret of mine that I'll, I'll share on the podcast, but I am a huge Joe Rogan fan. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> I'm like out, outing myself, you know. <laughs> that's Everyone okay. Everyone just sees him as this like exercise goon yeah, MMA guy but yeah. it's um yeah, check him out yeah I listen to it all the time because mm-hmm. the people he has on totally and I really uh I like the casual conversation and yes. um I love that he's just himself mm-hmm. and but he's also always open to listen and he he addresses the elephant in the room all the time mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. all the time. Like he'll yeah. be like, man, I don't know. I was the Paul Stamets talk recently. Have you listened to that? Oh, one yeah. Yeah. So he says like um, at one point when he's talking about some research he did and he's like, so that was a study of one person. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry to say this, man, but like, that's not really yeah. a study. If you're the only person. <laughs> and totally. I thought that was really funny. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. No, he, I love him too. Smart, smart, yeah. smart, smart. And like you say, good people too, right? Approachable. Yeah. You know, like he feels like that's why he can reach so many people. But, um, so 10,000 hours is the Malcolm Gladwell. That's the Gladwell one. Yeah. Yeah. And you say this all the time to me too. Whenever I'm like, get a bit of a jealous streak or I get competitive about things because, you know, I'm human too, especially when it comes to music. Yeah. I'm like, I want to have an album or whatever. And you're like, it's about persistence. Totally. It's about practice. Totally. You know, like it's not about talent. Yeah. It's about, commitment like put your time in have you watched speaking of that uh pharrell and rick rubin rick rubin's got a podcast too eh? no i haven't do you know who rick rubin is i don't uh, rick rubin you do he but you just yeah he is uh so he did all the chili peppers albums. oh yes, yes he sorry, did yes. uh run dmc he yes, did the yes, Beastie yes. Boys. i know i know long yes. hair yes. yeah rick super rubin. guru guy yeah and pharrell williams is of course n-e-r-d and he's a big hip-hop guy okay and they were talking about how um it's not uh, the art part because they're producers, but they don't call themselves producers, right? It's just this whole, they're, it's, you got to check it out. And he talks about how uh, it's persistence and patience. That's the bottom line. Really, it's not about how many chords you know. It's not about the gear in the room. It's not, it's waiting 
watching and good observation skills. I've learned that as well too. Once I see it's vibing on you, the artist a little bit, if I'm in that seat, okay, make sure that there's a mic available to you. What do we need to do to make you comfortable and try to capture it, right? Yes. And maybe we'll get lightning in a bottle, but likely not. <laughs> I mean, the odds of getting, you know, the performance are, are so slim and that's what they were talking about. It's pretty cool. You it check is it out. cool. And then when you get that though, <laughs> when you get that, that's like, that's gold. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's like motivation yeah, for the next five years. It's crack. It gives you one more, <laughs> right? That's it's yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But that's also why it's, you know, when you get into the studio and you start making something that is time stamped and tangible, like you mm. said, like you scrapbook it. Um, for me, that's always the motivation because it's so exciting when you have taken an idea and it's come into something that is um Ex, like uh, consumable, like other people can listen to it right. and it's time stamped. Yes. And yes. Um, you get those moments in studio where you just feel completely connected with what you're creating, the people that you're creating music with. It's just amazing. Yeah. And then that for me is my motivation when it comes back to like, okay, what are you doing on the guitar? How, what are you learning? What yep. is the theory behind this? And, you know, you just wait for those moments that you get to go in the studio. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Well, and it's changed so much. Again, as you know, it used to be from the days of uh, the old uh, RCA microphone and Sun Records uh, of people sitting around and Elvis Presley and, and uh, Sam Phillips. And you'd sit around the mono microphone and record the instruments all on one microphone in mono. And if you wanted it louder or softer, as we've talked about, less bass, you move the bass back, right? It was all about the performance in the 50s. And now the game is you've got the sketch pad on your, on your Mac that's in front of you and, and anything you want to do is available. So the medium has shifted so much. It's almost to a, a point, and you know this, I know you know this, to uh, it's detrimental. Because oh, where, totally. where, where do I begin? Where do yeah, I, how do I end? It's a rabbit hole. It's a total rabbit and hole. And it's right? overwhelming. And it's overwhelming. Exactly. Hugely overwhelming. Especially with something like Ableton. I mean, I've been going on probably three years now of learning. Uncovering bits and pieces, yeah. right? Yeah. And even still, when I get in there and I'm like, wah, what, are, like, you know, like searching through reverbs or yeah. sounds. And yes. um, there's a way to go about this stuff that keeps it tactile and musical forward progression. forward progression. It's, and I mean, some people like Tim really enjoys going down those rabbit holes. He'll happily totally. go into Ableton and spend hours trying out that's right. new things. And that's something he enjoys. Whereas for me, I'm like, this is a means to an end. Yeah. Let's get this thing yeah, totally. together. Cause I want to write this song totally. or we're going to set up a performance. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a different game, right? Yes. Totally different game. So Okay, so as an, uh, an artist now, so you're also a multi-instrumentalist. That's not something... That, I am, yes. Yeah, you play like many different instruments. Many, many, <laughs> many. Like, do you play the kalimba? I, I know what a kalimba is. <laughs> <laughs> so screw you. <laughs> That's that little bing bing thing, right? <laughs> yeah, the bing bing thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Mike also plays a kalimba. Yeah, no, I don't play a kalimba. Okay, okay. No, piano, uh, bass, guitar, a little bit of drums... Yeah. Yeah. The main, the main ones. And very well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I've heard you play piano once in mm. performance. Oh, o yeah. Only once. Oh, really? Yeah. You're, you and Kathy were playing with a horn player at the plaza. Oh, yeah. Years yeah, yeah, back. Yeah. And I cool. remember I had been um, working with you for quite a few years. And I remember hearing you play piano and thinking, holy shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because we like, were doing guitar together, right? Yes. Yeah. And I knew that you played piano, but I had never actually heard you like oh, cool. play piano Thank in a performance. You. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've accompanied me 
a lot yes throughout the years but not usually, not on piano usually, usually on, guitar. on guitar or bass or bass yeah yeah so as a creative or artist now is there a particular thing that you're finding challenging in your own practice or in your work um through the studio no it's uh if that if the so specifically through the studio no it's better there's more opportunity now which segues into that whole thing as well too artistically for me there's more opportunity now than there ever has been so i'm not seeing if, if that's the question am i seeing any kind of little stumbling blocks in that along the way with students or yeah um no i'm no. not, not what about all. personally with your own uh, creative practice like is there things that you're coming up against in your own creative development like I know you put a lot of energy and it is I'm not suggesting that they're separate because no, no. I know that for you working with people and supporting them is very creative very for you. much so yeah but I know that you also have your own music practice yep yeah, yeah it's uh it's the same pitfalls I'm sure you're, that you're running into too it's uh you know, you get into it and uh, then there's YouTube right there. Or <laughs> it's really, truly, yeah. I mean, it's that simple, right? There's, yeah. um, it's harder to sit down and uh, unless I'm sketching, you know, um, it's actually a lot easier still to go back to pencil and paper, to be honest with you, which is, again, an, another thing that I talk to clients and students about all the time. Do a chord chart, put your lyrics down, you know, go back to a little bit more just even straight you know, phonetic kind of approach to it all. Um, because that, the biggest pitfall right now actually is the, is the laptop for me. It's too overwhelming. It's too, there's too many options there, right? Right. And probably because you do spend a lot of time in studio in front of the computer too, like yep. working with clients, yep. doing stuff on Ableton, yep. um, that maybe when it comes to your own practice, it's good to separate from. Totally. That totally, piece. totally, totally. Yeah. We were talking yesterday. So I went and saw Mike yesterday for music. Um, how you were even pushing yourself out of um, creative, your creative um, bounds, like trying out different genres and playing with different, you were saying Amer Americana country yeah. stuff that you're just like, okay, I'm going to try it. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. push myself in this way. Yes. Yeah. And then that's been awesome too. Because uh, I'm the biggest. No, I I can't stand that style. <laughs> <I know you're laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> Whether it's you know gangster rap, which I think is fantastic. Now, what it really is, and I remember Quincy Jones saying this is uh, uh, there's two types of music. There's good music and bad music, right? Which is so awesome because it's really the case. There's yeah. really great country music. There's really great gangster rap music and there's really shitty country music and really shitty every style of music, right? Every so, style. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, no, that, that all has been really cool. And with this new, um, um, commercial recording I'm doing, I'm being forced to do a lot of that stuff because this one client I have in Vancouver might need, uh, they're a, a multimedia commercial outfit. They might need a country song. We need this to sound like this. So I have to recreate that, that vibe, right? Whether I want to or not, or dubstep or some shitty style I don't, I'm not into, right? Yeah. So that's been cool. That's it, really cool. It and is cool. Do you get regular contracts? Through, is yeah. it through the same company yep. that you kind of get? Cool. A subcontract through that company. So they're a subcontract as well. Um, but yeah, no, I get a ton of work through them. They're awesome. Co a company in, in Vancouver called Common Theory. And uh, shout out to them because they're, they're, they're doing really cool things. And so they, people hire them to help them with commercials? Yep. yep. Everybody from like the city of Surrey to um, Nike to, you know, 
Bacardi to everything. And Oakley, I think you talked Oakley. about doing something for an Yeah, Oakley well, there was a company. It was an. Uh, it was a company called Recon who was oh. doing uh, a glass like Oakley, and it was um, so they might even be a subsidiary of Oakley. I did some stuff with Oakley as well too, but this Recon was really cool because it was a uh, a glass that you put on like the Google glasses. You remember those? Yes. That fell flat. Nobody yeah. ever has Google glasses anymore. <laughs> and it was, and they were trying to produce these. And um, the commercial was, you know, you're golfing or you're biking or you're doing this. And I had to score the the piece of music as you're looking through the glasses. So. Was, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. So you have your hands in so many different yep. creative pots. Yep. So production. Working with students, having your own like song yep. production, yep, um, recording, and then yeah. gigs from totally. time to time, yep, and then trying to do the multimedia thing too. Yes, and then the multimedia explore that stuff. part as well too. Yeah. And that's more. Would you say that's newer, the multimedia piece? It is, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, but I dig the whole podcast, which incidentally you do very well. You're doing a great job at this. <laughs> You're welcome. No, I mean that sincerely. Yeah, really. you like to talk. Yeah. Right no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has been, well, you know, because I've been talking about doing a podcast totally. now for a year and a half. Totally. And I've been hoarding these microphones. Yes, you have. <laughs> <laughs> like I bought these microphones and uh, I'm going to do a podcast. I know I am. Yeah, right on. But this is, this is where it's at, you know, um, yes. video, even like videos yes. um, of people playing, um, podcasting, yes. talking about creative endeavors. I mean, this is creative. Yes. And it's also connection, right? Yes. So music and art and um talking it's all connection totally and i for me i've i had a really hard time understanding myself as i was you know in my early 20s like okay i like helping people um through like counseling and i like music and i also teach yoga and i just feel like such a fragmented person because my hands are in all these different pots and jack of all uh, trades kind of deal right yeah and yeah. it felt like it was for some reason it just felt like it was wrong and then as i've gotten older i've started to realize like no this is all the same thing mm -hmm. you know it's all the same mm -hmm. actually and it's yes. all about community expression connection and um support support yeah and, and it's, you know, where I flourish. Absolutely. And so it's, um, it's not different. And that's the thing about music and art and a good show, right? Is mm. when you're at a good show, everybody that's there without speaking mm. feels like they're part of something totally. together. Totally. And that's why music is so cool mm -hmm. because you don't have to have the same politics. You don't have to like the person sitting beside you to feel connected. That's right. When you're all listening to one, the same thing. Totally. Totally, totally like a collective, right? Yeah. 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 And I mean, few and far between, which is unfortunate. How many, it's like that lightning in a bottle thing we were talking oh about God, before. Yeah. How many good shows I can count on one hand. I mean, I go to great shows as a supporting person that are great. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like you're talking about, no, when it, when it really connects mm -hmm. the way you want it to, how many have you been a part of? It's a small, it's a number, small number. If you're really honest with yourself, right? Yeah. I would say for me personally, in regards to uh, sh like shows that have felt amazing. Yes. That like, you're performing. That, that yeah. I, you know, have performed one. There you go. One. And it was last summer and you know, it was, it just hit the mark on all in all the ways. Totally. You know, which is interesting uh, because is that wrong that we're, we've had this talk before that we're, are you being hypercritical? I don't think you are. I mm -hmm. think you're just, it doesn't feel like you connected to the degree you wanted to, right? Well, I think it has something, and I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't know a lot about, people talk a lot about flow state these days. Oh, yeah. Do you know? No. Yeah, it's like a, 
a state of being where you're like completely in the flow of what you're doing, which I mean, we talk about that, just not that language. And I feel like when you're in a good show, you're completely present and in the music Mm. with connected with the crowd, connected with the people you're sharing space with. Yes. And that critical mind is not present. Right. Like you're just doing it. Right. And there's no, um, like the fear hasn't taken over or the self-criticism hasn't taken over and you're also intuitive to what's happening. Like you're feeding off of the people around you and, you know, especially as someone who's like the front of a band, it's like, that's when you're, you have to be taking a branch, right? You have to be. And so that's what makes or breaks a good show. Yes. And it's not really about being self-critical. It's just more about, um, being honest about what things, we're great and what things, you know, gray area though, isn't it? It's this fine line between it for me. Yeah. Because you can easily get into a place of just like berating yourself after a show. And there's a certain type of, um, high that comes after, um, after your performances. I don't know if you experience that, but for me, it's always this like vulnerability hangover. I always get a vulnerability hangover the next day, the same day. Like as soon as the show's done, Uh. I'm like, Oh God, what did I, have I said too much? Yeah. Yeah. I just feel way too exposed and people perceive me as being a really (coughs) um, outgoing person and like, Oh, you probably love performing. There's, and don't get me wrong. There's a piece of me that loves performing, but you know me well enough to know that there's actually a big piece of me that feels very uncomfortable being as it should be right. Yeah. The center. And so when I'm done a show, it's very few times where I allow myself to enjoy that post show high. Yes. And so that also, um, is a tricky thing to navigate. Oh man, totally. I've said those exact same, same words the other many times actually over the last couple of weeks to people who are getting into performance. Um, it's the hard part. Who was I just talking to the other day? Uh, the hard part is after you do the show, if you do it right, you got not much left to give if mm-hmm. you're not being an imposter. Let's, let's be honest. If you've really given me, it's like a good conversation. It's a little... Like after this, I I should feel a little bit drained, right? And uh, and and then afterwards, you've got to interact and talk, and your mother's there or whoever, and it's it's a tricky space to be in, unless you have that other gear, which I've learned to. I'm sure you've learned to to a degree. Okay, I'll do a show, but it'll be this kind of show, right? It's not really. you know, really, you don't feel, there's no vulnerability hangover after that, right? That's right. Yeah. So, okay. So I wanted you to talk about this and I made a mental note last night. Like I wanted to ask you, you have a formula and I think you got it from someone else about um, what shows to do and what not to do. There's like four criteria. So it's like, it's fun. It's, hmm. so can you talk about that? Yeah. yeah. Well, I never, I'll try to remember it. It's from Richard Graham. Okay. The gypsy in Westside. Um, it's, uh, the hang's got to be there. Okay. Hang out with good friends. In other okay. words, if it's a good group of people, um, and you tell me if you agree with this or not, if it's a good group of people, I'm in. Yes, right? 100%. Right, even if it's a shitty country show, right, where yes. I don't want to be a part of it. Um, but if it's a good group of people, I'll, I'll be into it. Um, the challenge, if they're, you know, if you can step outside your box and maybe play push mm-hmm. instead, if it's even you know the, the 20th show in, um, that's a big one for me. It's different instruments too. So if I can play something I haven't been playing in a while, or like the kalimba, you like the kalimba, exactly, <laughs> just exactly right, <laughs> <laughs> totally. <clears throat> or um, so those two. Um, the third, I think it was only three. No, there's was pay. There f- 
like a good ah, pay. Yeah. Thank like you. Good reimbursement. Okay, thank you. So yeah. it's good for, you know, your income and which living. let's be real. Yeah. And that part is more about, as we've talked about too, that part's more about, um, there's too many other things you could be doing with your time. Oh God. Yeah. Right. So, and if, the amount of time that's actually required, this is a big thing for me. It's like, I don't think folks really understand unless you are a musician, how much time goes into rehearsal mm. setup. Right. And tear down. That's right. Right. So, right. Um, you know, sometimes 50 bucks a gig doesn't cut it unless it is like your really good friends right or yeah. Right on. Which is the reason why, you know, uh, we had musician unions that came about in the 60s or 50s or whenever it was because we started to realize that, no, nah, this needs to be um, adequately. And it's not even for me about the pay part because the pay part's a big thing. We could talk for two hours about that, right? Um, it's that you've got people who are willing to play for nothing. And I that's wonderful. I love that they're willing to play for nothing. Um, but you need to, um, and I've been trying to say this in town for a while, there needs to be an A circuit, a B circuit, and a C circuit. And that's not even necessarily that one's better than the other. I've seen some C, C circuit stuff that's fantastic. It's more about the A circuit is the professional players who are um, putting together a show and uh, and and they're really in it. That's what they do. They're, they're professional That's their musicians. Livelihood. But it's tricky, right? How do you tell? Because just because you're an A level player, whatever the hell that means, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're any better than that C circuit person. Right. So okay. it's, it's I'm developing this hierarchy, but I don't even mean to be. You know what I'm talking about, yes. right? Uh, and the, the intent behind that is the 18-year-old student who's just fresh out of, uh, or, you know, 19 or 20-year-old fresh out of cap, that person, in my opinion, shouldn't be getting the same um, compensation as the seasoned veteran who's been doing it for a while. Of and, course. But your argument might be, and my argument would be, yeah, but if that 19 or 20-year-old can get a room full of people, you can do whatever the hell they want. Right. So I guess the difference is if you're cre curating your own show... How about her? It's up to you. Um, does it have a detrimental effect on the artistic community as far as compensation is concerned? Maybe, you know, so it's a tricky one. It is talk. a tricky one. Yeah. It is a tricky one. And actually, I want to come back to this because okay. this is, I see this as being a, a challenge that we have as artists. I forgot we were having a podcast for a minute. Oh, yeah. I thought we were just talking because <laughs> you're doing such a good job. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I'm just glad that, um, you know, we're keeping it like pretty good. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're not on, saying anything too offensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, okay. Compensation. So it was friends, um, uh, yeah. compensation and then pushing yourself out. So like some sort of Challenge. creative learning. Is it only three? I thought there, it was. And then you have to have two of the three yeah. was what you had said. So it's got to right. be two of the three. Right. So good gig. Good people. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. Good gig, good people. Yeah. Or good pay and good people. Yeah. Or, yeah. And I use that a lot, cool. even though I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah. I think it was. I think it was those three. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you have to assess, like, is this going to fit two of these boxes? Totally. And then um, is it worth it? Because for Tim and I, I'm just speaking personally, over the last two years, I mean, I was pregnant and we were still, and that was the year that I was pregnant. We did more shows than we've ever done. Mm. That was like the year of gigging. Just because it turned out that way. It just turned out yeah. that way. And it was also my goal. I think I was having a bit of a crisis thinking, okay, I'm going to yeah, have yeah. a kid. Yeah, yeah. What is this going to mean for me it's as an artist? Yeah. So like, let's get this out and done just in case I never get to do this again, which is not the case. But, um, right. but by the end of it, we were done. 
Like we did our last show before we had Joni. It was the Brew Loop show. You played bass with us. Yep. And we had done the full band thing for quite a few shows at that point. Yep. And the requirement of that was so much energy to totally. run a band, run practice. Totally. Even though I love the folks that we've been able to play with. Sure. Um, that last show, Tim and I looked at each other and we were like, done. Done. We need a break yeah. from live gigging. Because also it's like, Kamloops has in the last, and you'll have more to say about this, but there was a lot of gigs around last year that we were able to access. Right. Um, not all of them were super well paid. Yeah. Um, which again, you make that choice. Totally. But near the end, we were like, you know what? The amount of time that it takes to haul all this stuff, and to be fair, it wasn't me because I was pregnant. So Tim would be hauling all of the equipment um, and all like hauling it to rehearsal, multiple amps, all this stuff. And then you're like, okay, is this really, is my heart really in this anymore? Like, am I really enjoying these performances or have they just become something that we're dreading because it's so much work? Yes. You know, and so exactly. that's when we had to stop because we knew that the gigs were just a dread. We right. were just dreading getting our shit together to yeah, go perform. Which is right. Yeah. That's no good. No, it doesn't feel good either. No, exactly. I mean, that was a great show because I knew it was my last one. For sure. So I could put myself there. But you, you know, when you feel yourself becoming more and more drained and there's yeah. something that isn't driving anymore, it's yeah. like you have to step back and think, okay, maybe I need to go somewhere else with this. Like I need to yeah. develop my creative. Because I find it really difficult to do live gigs regularly and also continue writing mm. and being creative. It's yeah. like, it feels like uh, compartmentalizing, like, okay, I'm going to focus on my live show because I only have so much time. So this is where all the energy goes. Right. And then when I'm not doing live shows and it's like, okay, now I'm back to writing and creating. Totally. And, and that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because the amount of time that needs to get, you need to invest into um, recording and or your show is substantial if you're doing it. Yeah. Right, in my opinion, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, 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 I agree. So what do you think? I have my own ideas what I think of the, what our biggest challenges are as artists today. Mm -hmm. But what do you think is one of, I mean, there's probably multiple, but which one comes to mind right away? Um, the f I, honestly, <laughs> really, and this is what I tell people all the time, um, it's the best time to be an, an artist right now. I know, I know my good friend Chris Rustin, if he sees this, is going to think he totally disagrees he with totally me. He totally disagrees. Well, that's not, <laughs> I, I think he does in, in certain capacity yeah. and, and other ways, not so much, but because um, we're all like-minded in that. I think it's a great time because um, if you learn how to do your podcast, there's more mediums now. Yes. Right? Back in the day, if you didn't have that, if you weren't signed, that was the big, it was all about getting signed. If you weren't signed, then you waited to get signed. And you were a, you were a waitress or a waiter up until, up until that point, right? Right. Um, whereas now, you there's so many ways to kind of start to crack in and start to get into the market. So, um, I mean, the, 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 the positive response to that is I don't see the challenges there and not in an airy fairy way. And I really, I don't think they're there, but you gotta, you gotta diversify yeah. and you have to really start to look at it less as just music. I think just music is kind of dying. Yes. Well, like we talked about, right? If there's no video accompaniment and or, you know, other element, how, when's the last CD you bought? That's, that's kind of how you can, I believe you can look at it as well too. Um, it's it's a bigger, broader thing now. So um, maybe the the negative would be it's um, if if you're a recording engineer and that's what you do, it's a pretty shitty time to be out there right now. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you're a person who's like, I just want to sing. 
If you exactly right, because right then you're in a situation where, well, nobody's going to sign you just because you're a good singer, and right. you're not just going to get songs written for you. That's right. Right. So in some ways, if you're someone who is willing and wanting to learn and to continue to develop and have autonomy over your own music and the shit you're putting out, this is the time. Because guess what? You don't have to answer to anybody. Totally. Right. But there's also a lot of stuff out there. So then the question is, and we talk about this, what differentiates you from every other person out there creating music? Right. And um, you have a saying about this, but it's, you know, the good, the, the cream's going to rise to the top. Always. Is that what it is? Yeah. Always. That's Quincy. Good and bad. The two types of music, right? Yes. And we can tell, you know, when it's, you know, when it's good. It, and it, good is uh, soulful. Good is prepared. Good mm-hmm. is different. Good is, uh, there's a, there's kind of three or four attributes for me that always um, uh, define good. What good and is me. The word, uh, this word is so overused right now, but I'm going to say, but it's authentic, right? It's authentic. It's, it's authentic. It's sincere. Yes. Like the person who totally, and we talk about that because I have a really hard time when people are putting out music and you can tell it's an affront that their whole life is at a performance, right? That they're not sincere. And right. I mean, some people like that. Don't get me wrong. Right. Um, but for me, it's always about people being sincerely, in the music yes. and there for the right reasons. And yes. I think it comes across in how you perform. Absolutely. And, and that's the other thing with like social media that's out there now as an artist, people can see into your life in all the ways. Mm-hmm. So that can be difficult mm-hmm. because you have to decide how you're going to engage in yes, that. Totally. Are you going to curate an image everywhere? Right. Exactly. Right? Or are you going to be yourself? That's right. Or are you just going to not engage very much? And what the hell does that mean, right? Fuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Which part, which part am I going to be today? That's right. Yeah. What part of myself am I, yeah. what face am I putting out there? So I think that that's a challenge too, is that, you know, we're, although it's a huge benefit to have, um, autonomy over our own image you know you don't have people doing stylist stuff for you anymore like you, you are just nope. you get to be what you want to be that's right um but it's also a whole a rabbit hole yes right it can be a rabbit there's no hole. manual there's, there's no, formula. no manual the words being written exactly mm-hmm. that's the deal yeah, yeah and no you have to be willing to learn mm-hmm. if you want to be part of this and then even more important that this just came to me it's like you got to like it you got to like this process yes you have to allow yourself to enjoy the process because it's hard work. Totally. You know, uh, producing your own songs, taking your own photos, doing your own podcast, finding mentors. Yes. Uh, setting Absolutely. up gigs, you know, not having agents. Like That's this is, right. it's work. So yes. you have to love it. But is it any different than uh, 25, 30 years ago when you listened to Madonna? give an interview or Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins talk about, no, I had my hand in every single bowl or I had my, you know, the, the, the ones who were successful, there's another word that, what does that mean? Right. But let's just say it. The ones were, that were successful, uh, they did a little bit of everything. Madonna had her hand in every single piece that was going on. Right. So, she wasn't a puppet. No, yeah. absolutely. So, and not just a singer, right? So maybe, maybe it's the same as it's ever been. It's just now the opportunity is there to do it, um, to, uh, to do it yourself a little bit more yeah, and less, exclusive. and less support. There's less exclusive. kind of big business support in the music industry now, be it a label or, right. you know, cause that's, 
done. But then that comes down, I think, to livelihood, right? So I think that this is the piece that I've seen mm. Chris post about. It's mm. like, how, as a musician, do we make a livelihood? Right. Right? So if you wanted to be a full-time artist, and this has been a question forever. It's totally. like, how do we value the arts and culture? Like, we need it. It has as been a, a question society. forever. Yes. We need it. We That's know right. that. It's, it's how we connect with one another. Right. It's how we can transcend political um, barriers between one another. Um, it's... Yeah, it, it just, it's what, we've been doing this forever. Yes, yes. I think the answer to that is it's like everything else. You can't be, we have this um, uh, predisposition that it's, uh, music is fun. It's rock and roll. It's band. That's what it's going to be all the time. And as soon as I have to do, and I'm not suggesting that this isn't this is what people like Chris are saying because he's saying a, a multitude of other very important things. Of course, yes. I'm speaking for myself. Um, the uh, you got to do the work. Yes. And the work sucks. It always does. It always does. It's a pain in the ass. I don't want to sit down and learn another freaking way to uh, access Ableton again. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, do a chart. Yeah, the first one's okay, but the thirtieth one sucks. But your band needs those charts. Mm -hmm. And so when you do that show, it's going to pay its dividends, right? So maybe the difference is just you're weeding out people that way. Maybe that's the, the difference. Um, maybe the musical um, 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 paradigm kind of fosters more of a fun vibe. And uh, maybe it's the same as uh, theater. Yes. Um, and it's... Uh, and it can't stop there. You have to keep moving. You have to, uh, you have to keep cultivating. You have to do the work. You have to do the work. You have to do the work. You have to do it. That's why I've started calling it a practice. Right on. Because, totally. in, because for me, I was definitely attracted to the romance of it. Totally. Right. This piece around like, I'm going to perform and right it's going to be this beautiful thing totally. and I'm going to feel great. And it's like, you know, I, I got this lightning in the bottle that we talked yes. about once and I'm like, I want it yes. all the time. Yes. But then the reality check is it's work. Totally. Right? It, it's practice. 90% of the time. 90% yeah. of the time. And I mean, I think this, we talked about this before too, but about it's, it's like meditation. It's like mm -hmm. um, even your emotional health. Mm -hmm. It's some days you feel really great, mm -hmm. right? Some performances are really great, but some days you have to work at being human. Totally. Right? You have to totally. work at not losing your shit on somebody. <laughs> you yes. have to do that um, going inside and just putting your head down and getting through because yes. you know that either it will pay off or that there will be, maybe not pay off. There will be a time when you're on the upswing of things again Totally. and just trusting that this is impermanent and this isn't all that it is. That's exactly. Yes. Yeah. And you, you used an excellent word, the romance part of it, right? Yes. That's the part that drags us all into this. It's this sense of, of accomplishment and, uh, and all the other things that you're that you're talking about, right? That that encapsulate romance. But and yes, it's there. But it's uh, you know it's funny because it's there too behind um, sitting down. Before I came today, I was working on some uh, jazz stuff for a client I'm going to see later, and running through this old '40s jazz standard that I hadn't been arpeggiating in a while. So getting all nerded out with it, right? But after feeling that 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 accomplishment after you do it and haven't done it in a while and run your fingers in that capacity in a while that's kind of romantic too it's got a sense of the same sort of thing i get the same feeling in a smaller scale once i once i do once i finish the the work right it's productive right there's or yeah it's but it's but it's also got that feeling too that that art feeling that we're talking about right that romantic sensibility to it too you just have to get through the discomfort of totally like, 
doing the thing that you're like, this isn't, this isn't going to pay off instant, gra- this isn't right instant gratification. Right on. Sitting down and practicing my scales is not instant gratification. No, no it's a But drag. if you can get into the flow of it or right. into it, then it becomes a meditation and it becomes something that feels like, great, I that's feel right. connected with my body and with the music and totally. it's just happening. Totally. And that's, that's the thing that we, I think, are all looking for yes. is that moment of complete like connection yes. with music and kind of outside of our yes. self. That, that flow that thing, that yes. flow state you were talking about. Yeah. Right? yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think so. And I do think, though, back to the challenge, I do think that um, remuneration for music is a constant conversation, right? And we touched on it earlier of like what artists are getting paid mm. for their performance and what happens locally when um, gigs are undervalued or shows are undervalued. And we've talked about this around when I'm, uh, creating prices for house shows. Yes. You know, and, and we have this conversation, you know, okay, but somebody's having a house show where they're only charging five bucks. Right. So what does that do for all of us? Right. Well, I mean, and I feel pretty strongly about this is that when you charge a low price for something, you are devaluing the music and the community and yes. the artistry, even though I understand that the point of making it affordable is to get more people engaged. Yes. But you know, it's, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, cause it's a, it's a double edged answer, but on the same token, uh, you charge what you feel you're worth. And so you're right though. If, um, I guess the bottom line with what you're saying is, yeah, but if there's two house shows going on within the same period of time and or space, and one is 10 bucks and one is five bucks, people almost won't even look at who it is that's performing. It's just, well, this one's five bucks and this one's yeah. 10 bucks. Right. But I'll still pay good money for quality. I'll it's still true. pay good money for something that I believe in. It's not even necessarily qual- what I think is quality, right? So um, that's an interesting one too. I remember Kathy and I doing that with the Leisure Suite shows as well too, charging an exorbitant amount because the work that was put into these shows up at uh, the coast were crazy. So tickets were 50 bucks. As and, they should be. Uh, well, but that's interesting you say that because a lot of people were just like, holy shit, that's a lot. And, it, and after a while, and you can internalize it as much as you want, maybe charging 20 bucks for a house show is not crazy, right? I mean, what's 20 bucks? But anyways, that's a whole other conversation. And we just, no, we, we had to value it a certain way because even at the end of the day, at that $50 ticket, once everybody was paid and everything else was done, um, it was still minimum wage for us both, the, the amount of time that was going into it, right? Yes. So, but that's fine. No regrets. It, but nobody's getting rich off it. It's oh, not like, it. yeah. Nobody's getting rich that's off of right. it. That's right. So that's why I come back to, it's got to be a love, a love thing that's for right. you. Yes. And for those folks that are trying to make a livelihood at this, I mean, I think the only way to go about this is diversify, diversify, diversify. Totally. Like what you've done. Totally. I mean, how long have you had the studio? Yeah, it's in 90, 97. Holy yeah, smokes. 22 years. Amazing. Yeah. And you have made a livelihood out of music. Yep. yep. But you are constantly... Hustling. Hustling, man. <laughs> like you're constantly also pushing yourself to learn. That's like, you know, it. we're at totally. the multimedia place now. You're always adding to your studio. Yeah. Okay, now we have a vocal booth, you know. And, yep. and, and it's a constant like... Readjustment. S- readjustment, staying with the times. And um, I mean, I think we'd all like to romanticize that it was easier in the music industry before when you could get record deals. But yeah. we've all heard the stories about record deals gone mm-hmm. wrong and totally. people not having any sort of creative autonomy. And That's right. Especially uh, women and... I mean, I, th- yes. I think when it comes down to it, Mike, you're right. We are in a really amazing time yeah. as artists. Yeah. I think, too, that live shows are starting to come back in a way 
uh, maybe they never went away, but um, people are again starting to crave that yearn live, for it, yearn for yeah. that live show connection. Even yeah. though we can sit at home and watch things on YouTube, and that's sure. cool. Yes, not the same though. Right? It's not the same. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's all cyclical in some way, shape, and form, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I see it coming as well too. Yeah, and I think as an artist, um, a creative now, it's it's it comes back to just persistence. Mm-hmm. and um, how you value your time, like mm-hmm. you said, and your shows. And I know that for us, we've always charged close to 15, 20 bucks mm-hmm. for our shows. And, and that and in that way, when we have people open for us, if we can actually pay the artists yes. a reasonable amount of money where they feel like, okay, I could, fees- even though I'm getting minimum wage for this, I could still do it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like exactly. I'm still going to do it again. That's right. Well, and you, I agree with you wholeheartedly, right? Because um, the hang is right and because mm-hmm. the challenge is right. Uh, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know what the number is. I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to say. But if you, um, uh, Jackie, my wife and I talk about this all the time, it's like going out for dinner. So you go for dinner and you get a shitty meal. And you pay dinner prices and you leave feeling like, okay. Or you go for dinner and you get a mediocre meal. But you go for dinner and you pay a crazy amount, but it's really good. And the dessert is really good. And it might be small, but whatever. It's presented really well. I love it. I have no problem, which is really exactly what we're talking about, right? So quality still prevails, even though that place down the street is only charging 50% as much. Yet I'll I'll keep going back to the more expensive one. Maybe not as... Maybe regularly. Not, maybe not as regularly. Exactly. But it's exactly. the experience. It's the experience. Yes, you're right. That's yes. such a good point, Mike. It comes down to yes. value and experience. And I think confidence as an artist in um, how like feeling justified in uh, curating the shows that you want to curate mm. and charging what you feel like they're worth. Yes. And because um, I'm not sure that standardizing show prices is I'm not suggesting that that would be the answer either. But, but maybe it is. Maybe the maybe the the whole not to interrupt your no, line okay. of thought, but maybe the as we were talking about before, um, I agree with you. But the flip side of that equation is the whole musicians' union thing, right? right. Where it's uh, okay, at least it sets a bar, some kind of bar, mm-hmm. right? Because not only are we making the same as musicians as we did uh, 10, 15 years ago, we're making less. Now, like it used to be, I remember, shout out Steve Griffith, a great horn player who was in town here. And I remember him coming, phenomenal horn player. Um, And uh, I remember him saying it was hundred bucks for as long as he could remember. That's what a musician made, a jazz musician in Toronto coming out of Humboldt College. I mean, the guy had facility coming out the yin yang, right? And it was a hundred bucks. That's what we were making 15, 20 years ago. An hour? Uh, No, a gig per person. So... Yeah, that's 500 bucks for a five piece, but for a corporate gig and that, and now you'd be hard pressed unless it's corporate for people to be making that same rate that was the rate 20 years ago. So would a musician's union kind of keep the bar moving in the right direction? I don't know. And, and it's just an interesting point to talk about too, that, that, yeah. that part, right? Totally. Maybe it does need to be standardized to a certain degree. Well, I'm just like soaking up what you just said because I'm thinking back over the last few years that we've performed and you know we're not professional performers sure but but you are but you're yeah I know what you're saying yeah it's not we're not that's not our only livelihood totally I mean in a dream world yes right and counseling yes yes of course (laughs) but um I think the most that we've ever made has been four hundred dollars 
right. for a show. Right. And um, that has been with five people. Yes. So everybody gets 75 bucks. Right on. Right. Yes. And so the thing that I always struggle with as being the person who runs the practices, writes the songs, like, you know, does all that admin, I always end up just taking the same as everybody else. Yeah. But I've already put out money to make the posters, you know, so this is the thing that comes up and I do it because I love it. Yes. But every time at the end of the day, when you look at the cut, you're like, okay, well I did, this is a labor of love. So it is difficult when people are trying to make, you know, just off a gigging. I just think the reality is, is like, you cannot make a living as a musician off of gigging anymore. Pretty hard. Pretty darn hard. Yeah, exactly. At least in like, you know, where we are. Even Vancouver. Talk to guys that are playing in Vancouver, you know, it's, you got to be teaching or you have to be doing, it has to be diversified a little bit more recording. Recording. Most of them are doing that, right? Yeah. So no, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to watch that line of things as well too. But like we say, on the same token, curate your own show then. That's always my advice to people. Don't complain. Do, you know, and, I, and I'll speak to myself, look at myself too. That's why we started doing our own shows is because you get disenchanted. That's why I built a venue downtown with the loft because I got disenchanted with um, having to rely on um, other venues to pay me, yeah. that label thing, um, and realizing, no, it's not really what... Um, but interestingly, on the flip side of that, having been the proprietor as well, you realize that's why I have no qualms with anybody. I never say, no, it's they, uh, you know, whoever restaurant or, uh, or winery can afford to pay. Well, whether they can or not, the bottom line is um, the performers need to realize, and artists and musicians need to realize this. Um, you, don't, you can't just demand a certain price for doing what you're doing. You have to, you have to realize what, what's going on there, right? And yes, corporate can pay a little bit more, but it's irrelevant. Um, that it brings us back to what we were talking about. Curate your own show. Yes. At least do one or, you know, so as an artist, so you can see what goes into it. Okay. So there's these ticket prices. There's this, there's everything else. Now what's left at the end. Okay. No, it is really hard to make a buck doing this, right? Yes. I mean, yes, you would know Absolutely. With, with the loft and it's very, very difficult. But at the same time, the house, when I've done curated my own shows, mm. They're also the best when you, again, it comes back to autonomy, right? So when you're Mm. running these things on your own, not only do you have an understanding and then you gain compassion and empathy for, you know, the venues that are hiring you um, about the amount of work that goes into these things, but you also can decide about your ticket price and and see how you're going to pay the musicians and see, you know, so it's, it's a double-edged sword. And you get to re and you uh, get to learn about that part too Mm -hmm. and see, then it's not just the us and them thing. The totally. artist pissed off at the management or, you know, the, it's the man that's holding us down and artists have never been paid well. Well, okay, then put your business hat on for a minute and see what the business part is like. And so as we've talked about as well too, curate, do your own, see what the business part is. And if, is, there, is there enough of an economy out there to sustain what you're doing? If there isn't, then you better find another angle, right? This is it. Yeah. And it's just making me think that, I mean, we can talk, it's not an us versus them thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also a conversation of, like markets and what's valued in our society and, you know, music, like arts and culture has always been a a difficult thing within the type of society that we have running economic system we have running, right? Because it's putting in personal values on like a personal experience that I would say is more emotional and spiritual and personal than it is 
tangible, physical, material thing that you're taking home and holding on to. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So that's why, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. A lot harder game to sell in North America than it is in Europe or Australia or, you know, these, um, these markets that are a little bit, uh, yeah, a little different economically. Right. Yeah. But we're doing, I think, um, we are doing so much better, um, or my experience as an artist in Canada, I mean, my first EP was released with funding through the government. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I was, I was funded, I mean, not huge amounts of money, but Factor Canada funded my demo that we recorded yep. Yep. at your place. So there are programs and things out there to support yep. artists. Yes. But the thing is, you have to want it. You have to learn how to grant write. You have to play the game, which is not something we've talked about yet today, but there's a whole other hat to put on yeah. in that regard is like, how are you getting funding? What, um, programs are you accessing that's as an artist? Totally, totally. Exactly. And is that a question to me? No, but oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's just a statement. Like that's the yes. other question is as an artist like that, if you want more support, then you better learn how to grant, right? Yep. Um, follow rules. Yep. So again, it's, it's this diversification thing. Put your business hat on, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and is that a terrible thing to be able to learn? And I know you're not suggesting that, but uh, what a great skill to be able to have, to be able to grant, right? To be able to write. Mm-hmm. So there again, it just makes you a better human being to totally. be able to do that, right? Now, whether or not you want to put in the work to do it or it's, it's worth it to do it in the grand scheme of things, um, that's up to you to decide. But, you know, geez, everybody should know how to grant, right? Right? Yes. So, but maybe that's another thing too that, uh, and I know you're suggesting the same thing too, but maybe that's another thing that the musical community needs to, the artistic community needs to recognize is that, you know, and I might be going out on a limb, and I don't think I am. It's not all fun. It brings us back to that. Yeah. It's it. There has to be a level of well, business, business, and art tend not to mix. And I say, but they have to. You yes. have to understand the business component of it, right? And you have to be able to go down. And maybe that's a, a gripe that a lot of musicians and artists have is they don't want to. Yeah. That that's not the way they think. Maybe they can't think that way. And I and I respect that. But. Man, in this market and in this capitalist society, you better be able to figure it out. You have to. Yeah. And I think I have, it, for me, it just keeps coming back to this idea. And I've spoken about this on the last two podcasts, but it's, it's our inability to navigate discomfort. It comes up no, yeah, all right the time, right all the time. It comes up. I have a hard time. I'm not outside of this. No. This is just, it's no, the no. constant practice as humans. It's like, how can we navigate the, the lack of comfort in pushing ourselves into a business type scenario as an artist when we'd rather be doing the creative part or how can we push ourselves um, in a way to become more well-rounded yes right balanced as a musician you're not just into the romantic part but you're also you know growing and changing and then I mean the same thing goes as a human totally we all have this and all but most of us have this expectation that life is going to be uh, pretty either neutral or good Right. Most of the time. Right. And that if we're in a space of discomfort, that's not fair. Right. It's not okay. Right. And I don't want to do it. Right. But honestly, the way to get through all of this is Mm. like, be okay with the uncomfortable. Learn how to be with that. Accept it. Learn how to grow and change Mm -hmm. and then, or be adaptable. Mm -hmm. If you can be adaptable in any space, then you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. That's true. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there again, it's funny, it all comes back around again, right? Is it really any different in all these capacities than it's ever been? It's, it's, no. it, it isn't. It is, it's the same tribulations, it's the same things that we've been talking about forever, right? So 
you know, getting back to what we were first talking about, um, what their big challenges are and everything right now. I don't know, same as they were, really, if you yeah. really want to get down to it, right? We keep coming back to these same fundamental principles, right? Which sounds so ridiculous, but it's true. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not It's not as compartmentalized as we think it no, is, right? Our no. experience as humans is the same experience we have as business owners, as artists. Yes. I mean, it's all, yes. it's all this balance between uh, feeling good, wanting to feel good and, and feel productive and feel like meaningful. Meaningful right. is the word. Um, but we also have to be able to navigate hard work, persistence, yes. discomfort. Totally, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. And you've got to wonder too, how much of it is, uh, you know, we've had a good for a long time since the big crash in 80, whatever it was economically. And yeah. it seems to be that's, well, that doesn't seem to be, that's so reflective of, of our environment is economically what's going on, even mm-hmm. though it's just a small part of everything. Um, we've had it good for a long time. So everybody that has to play into the equation too, of everybody. Well, what do you mean? I have to do this, this, and this in order to make this happen. And then that probably plays into your feeling good all the time yes. thing, right? Yes. And you know, I would have been, if we had this conversation maybe even three years ago, mm. I would probably have a different reaction, but there's a, a lot of entitlement that's, that mm. seems to be happening in our world and i don't know that it's new it's just something yeah. that i'm noticing yeah. in my age maybe now, because you're getting older right as i'm reflecting older, on it yeah. this idea that like we feel like we deserve comfy yes easy yes um when the evidence if we all look back on our lives the evidence suggests otherwise totally <laughs> always yeah absolutely but i mean really uh and so be it. Let's go there. Is that not just a reflection of the sociopolitical environment, right? Of course, I believe we would think that way. I'm entitled because I work 60 hours right. a week, yes. right? And so therefore, if I don't have that cottage or I don't have that second car, which is the measure of uh, success, then I feel like shit. I feel yeah. like I'm trying to play catch up with the next person who does have it, right? Versus this this other ideology, which you know, doesn't pay anything necessarily, but it's everything. It's writing a book that doesn't sell, but who cares? You, you did the work, right? It's being able to write a, a grant and maybe you don't get the grant. It's, um, it's all those other things that aren't necessarily a part of the capitalist fabric, right? Totally. Uh, which again, ties into everything we're talking about with the arts community and everything else. And the privilege that comes, you know, and, I th- and th- what's coming to mind is that there's a certain level of privilege mm. that comes from being able to write a book and not get paid well for it, right? Like there's, right. there's, um, if you have a good job, like for me, yes, I have a privilege yes. of running this podcast totally. because of you know, I have a house. That's right. I have a, or a small apartment that we're living in and I have a job. And That's right. I'm safe and secure enough to run a private practice. That's right. You know, I'm not living right. on the street. That's right. So there is these sociopolitical pieces that that's a whole other can. Totally. <laughs> but, but all the same can too, right? Yes. You can't really have the conversation without at least talking about that because they're all, it's all part of the same fabric, right? Totally. And I, I think you're right about this sense of entitlement not necessarily being like a sense of selfishness coming from mm. individual people right. that are being bratty and entitled, right. which right. I think... Um, Easy to call a millennial. That's You're right. Thank you. Yeah. 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 But it's more of like, we've actually been brainwashed and told that if we do this, we get this. That's right. And then it's not happening. That's right. So then there's like this, you know, temper tantrum yes. about the fact that like, hey, I was told that if I went to university, I would get a job. Yeah. And if I get a job... 
then I'll get enough money to buy a house. Yep. And if I, you know, and yeah, it goes and, on once on. I and have I'll have a house, retirement. Yeah. That's right. And yes. a car. And then it's like, wait a second. That is not actually the truth. No, it's not. Totally. I have so much student debt. Yep. And <laughs> well, and and yet we're seeing, you know, heightened levels of uh, anxiety and depression and uh, general mental and physical uh, unhealthiness that are that we haven't that we've never witnessed before. And you got to ask how much of that is due to stress and working too many hours and uh, um, and uh, too much social media, not enough physical interaction, um, which again, yes, it's a whole other can of worms. But my God, if that conversation isn't happening, how do you talk about art and music in the community and its significance? Oh, you of know, course. It, it has, to be a, has to be a part of it, right? Well, and I think that that's a big uh, reason why, again, coming full circle, mm. um, music is such a connective force mm. because it does bring us together despite everything that's happening. Yes. Um, our political differences and, um, you know, it, it's one of the best ways to soothe anxiety and emotional distress. Totally. Um, totally. But we are in a, a space as a society where we're dealing with a lot more mental imba- mental health imbalance. Mm. Um, and there's, I have, I think there's many reasons for that. Mm. I mean, how could we not feel anxious in this society? Totally. Like Playing catch the, up. And, yeah. You know. And also just the things that we're exposed to in media, um, the things that we're seeing all the time, the, the global connectedness is great on one level, but mm. I also think it's extremely overwhelming for us to think about problems happening so far away mm. and the lack of control that we have right. in that, right. like that is a main creator of anxiety Totally, is fear without the ability to control it. Totally. Like that, <laughs> like yeah. the, that's yes. anxiety. It's, yes. it's having a fear of something that you can't control. That's right. That's and right. feeling powerless about it. Totally. And we're all experiencing that when it comes to the environment, yep. the political context in different countries, yep. the possibility of war getting threatened. It feels like almost every goddamn day. It's like, yep, yep. absolutely. Yeah. Or just something that happened in Australia and some people died and, uh, and that's, un- that's awful. Mm-hmm. But uh, like you say, it, uh, it doesn't mean I should uh, not care what's happening to people in Australia. Absolutely not. But you know, maybe that is uh, a call for this idea of just kind of getting a little bit more uh, micro too, yes. right? Getting a little bit more involved in what's going on within your vicinity. Going to shows, going connecting to, with totally. people, community. Um, doing things in your community because yep. the more the more we reach beyond where we're at right now, like mm. whether that's um, like thinking about what's happening across the world or um, thinking about the future, so that's what I mean, like reaching, even it comes down to reaching beyond this moment. Mm. The more you do that, the more anxious you are because the further you are away from yes. your experience. You does told, does I, that make sense? Big time. So it's like, how can we be in our experience more? And that's why I'm so, uh, such a huge proponent of mindfulness, right? It's this practice of like how to be here, yes. how to be in conversation with yes. someone right now, yes. not what's happening next. Right on, right How on. to be in this music show, how to be in our community right here, right now. Yes. How can you contribute? I think that's a huge answer. You know, and it's, I couldn't agree with you more. And that, uh, that brings us back to the arts because in my opinion, you, uh, you know, it, it, it does. Um, because this interaction that you were talking about, you know, conversation is not that far removed from 
speaking musically with your bandmates, right? Or being on a stage. I wonder how far removed it is from conversation around a boardroom meeting. I have to suggest it's completely different. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you might talk to CEOs and they might say to you of Fortune 500 companies and they'll say, no, it's exactly the same thing. You know, that, um, that conversation is the same in big business as it is um, uh, in, in the arts community. But I don't know. I, I think as soon as there's something else tagged to it, it's a little bit different. So my point is, it's a call back to um, the significance of opening up that artistic dialogue a little totally. bit more too, right? And that conver- and that connectedness and that, That's that right. conversation. Because it's, it's when mm, we're being artistic and mindfulness. Mm. And when we're being artistic, and I think I also would make the claim that all of us have an ability or a way to be artistic. Yes. It doesn't need to be a performance. It doesn't need totally. to be... Like you can be artistic... You can craft, you can, you know, we all, and we should all actually develop that part of ourselves for more mental wellness. Absolutely. Um, Conversation. Conversation. And that when we're connected with ourselves through art, that we're happier people. Mm. And so when we connect as a community to art and whether that's going to the art show, the free opening at the art gallery, um, that that is what keeps us grounded in our, in our community, in ourselves and our community. So it's both micro and macro. Yes. It's all of it. Uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it becomes so complex, doesn't it? And so uh, gray <laughs> to, uh, to define. And maybe that's a, a mistake too. You can't, uh, okay. we're not going to figure, we're not going to figure the riddles out. In, in, no, it's it, not this. It's not, right. like it's, it comes back to, it's not this and that. It's, n- it's not this or that. It's this, that, and maybe more. Right on. Always. Right, right on, it's, right on. And I always encourage myself to think, because I'm such a black and white thinker. Yep. It's not, there's no way to put us this into a box there's no finality to this conversation right um totally so i'm just looking we've had a good conversation <laughs> yeah are we, are we are we good yeah we're good <laughs> right on so mike and i could talk for a long time uh-huh. and also i just want everyone to note that we're not drinking brandy right now no it's the morning and i'm gonna see clients so drag. usually <laughs> just kidding thank you so much for yeah. coming on today um so how can so you're you're on instagram Barely. Yeah, can barely. <laughs> barely. But it's Turner Music Studio. Yes, yes. So people can follow Turnermusic.com. Best way to get in touch if you want to chat or you've got ideas or, uh, um, yeah, you want to talk, uh, get involved in the artist, artistic things that I'm doing, Turnermusic.com. Okay. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. And I'll plug your Instagram in case people want to, you know, see cool. posting. It's Turner Music, right? Turner's Music Studio? Yes. 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 So. Yeah. yes absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks for coming and visiting. Yeah, my and, pleasure. Uh, it's chatting. fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yay. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. That was a lengthy one and you've made it all the way to the end. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with my good friend, Mike. And as he said, the best way to get a hold of him is through his website, and that's turnersmusic.com. There's a video version of this podcast up on YouTube. If you want to see our pretty shining faces, that's at Deandra Day Therapy. And of course, you can always follow me on Instagram, deandra.day. I hope you have a great day. Until next time.